podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire podcast. Westerer is Bestera with me, Lee G. Joining me as always is Big M. How are you, Martin? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yes. Yeah. What did, I had a really, really nasty bout of, of, of toothache over the weekend. And Sod's Law, I so I was knocked out for... Um, large parts like in two hour blocks three hour blocks i've just completely gone to sleep woke up just before kickoff in the wales game was wide awake for the wales game and then fell asleep after i mean <laughs> that just, perfect. oh it was poor timing mate i watched the game and then i went back to sleep but <laughs> i think i might have preferred to just wake up for the last five minutes and go oh that's what it was then and go back to sleep but uh <laughs> yeah so um how was uh how was your viewing experience of the the Wales England game? Uh, dreadful would be polite. I mean, there's it is just shocking to watch. I mean, we, we are talking about professionals of ten plus years. You know, these boys have been essentially professional since the time they were fourteen years old, and they they don't know the basics of you know run in between the defenders. You know. Pass behind you. Don't bloody hog a ball. It's it's just basic things. Hmm. I, yeah, I, I was looking at it, and you know, this. So the I think the problem is, is there were so many little bits that you could have picked out. You know, the kicking, the passing, rucking, support play. I, I, I you know, you you can go. There isn't like one thing that you could say. Oh, if we just tidied that up, you know, if we were just a little bit better at that, we we'd have been fine. It was a whole raft of small issues that, like you say, when you're at national level, you shouldn't have to explain to people about going into. If if you're going to go into contact, don't don't go in with one person. If you make sure you've got somebody there with you when you seal off and you seal off really well. I just the amount of ball we lost on turnovers, the amount of times where we had players in space then we didn't pass. And then we kicked, and we had no chase. <laughs> I just, yeah, you get to the point where you go like, well, "What's the point?" <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I got no issue with the kicking. Is and I know a lot of people have complained that it's it's boring. It's, that's just the way the international rugby has moved on. The fact is, we've got no chase, and the kicks are so poor. You know, yeah. you 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 make them contestable. You have a good you have a good kick chase. And, you know, you've got a game on your hands. But when we're needlessly giving the ball away to a back three that basically catches ball for breakfast, you know, it's it's not going to go anywhere. And this is what we said when that squad was selected, that we are going to, um, you know, it was a squad that was selected on the, you, you can see by the types of players that they have to kick and chase and put pressure on on the catcher. And we're doing the first bit, we're kicking, but like you say, the kick's going too far. The the kick chase doesn't seem to be communicated with two of the best wingers uh, uh, in in the Northern Hemisphere, certainly. 
and then we we're not putting any pressure on that kicker and he's going thank you very much i'm going to run it back 15 20 meters you know every time and you just beggar's belief that we we weren't able to change tactics nobody on that pitch went let's do something different and and the one time we did do something different where Thomas Williams took a tap and go on a, and caught England napping, which he did. You know, he, he ran that ball 30 metres, but the first man on his shoulder was Ken Owens. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but I think I've heard that before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it is concerning. I mean, you can go brilliant, our hooker is up to speed, but then you look around and go, where's everyone else? Yeah, he you know, was that, running down I, the wing. There's no problem with, with having a front row being a support player, but the fact is they shouldn't be the only support player. Yeah. There was nobody within about seven or eight metres of Ken Owens. Yeah, you had Thomas Williams, got tackled. There were about five English players around, and then Ken Owens, and then... No, he was inside the 15. You know, one of our wingers or the fullback that's your territory, son. That's where you live. Put up a tent because that's that's where you do your business, you know? And there was nobody there. Just really frustrating that, um, yeah, so many basics, just so many, so many basic stuff um, that we've gone backwards. Yeah. It, it is a massive go backwards and it is due to the change in coaches. It's, I didn't expect it to be this bad, but, you know, you always have that sort of niggle when new coaches come in, new ideas. I mean, we have basically thrown out the entire playbook and said, OK, we're going to start with this. And it's as though players are just too afraid to go out and do what they normally would do. They have to, they want to stick by their new book. They want to keep their places. And... You know, you look at our forward pack, we don't have a lot of big carriers in there. So that means we need to play quick ball. We need we need to live off counter-attacking ball. Hmm. And there's just no go in any of them. No one is reacting. No one is wanting to go forward and try something. Yeah. I mean, you you look at the balance in our back row and you've got Tiprick, who's a lovely ball handler in space, but can't jackal. You know, he had one turnover in the whole game and it was an important turnover and everyone went, yeah, great, fantastic. But actually, England gifted that turnover because it was quite near our line and they did what we did. They went with a single player, fell at his feet and he went, thank you very much. You know, me and you could have turned that ball over. I mean, we wouldn't have been on the pitch. We'd have been gasping for air on the sidelines. But, you know... Oh, been... I, I don't know. I think I would have been by our trial in the whole game, you know, just, just in case. <laughs> I'd have been in the bar. <laughs> but, but do you know what I mean? It wasn't a difficult... For an international seven, that wasn't a difficult turnover to execute. Whereas Rafael and Jack Morgan come up with stuff and you go, you know, wow, holy cow, how did they get that? And And that's the ball that our forwards need to work off. They need to work off that quick turnover ball where you've got athletic, strong players running into space, running in, and and giving those Sam Lousy flicks and giving the Fafita, you know, sidestep and go and all of that kind of stuff. You know, we, we've got those kind of players. We're just not creating the space in which those kind of players can express who they are and do what they need to do. So it's very frustrating. 
frustrated. Yeah, I think that's how I describe it. Frustrated. Yeah, well, let, let's just look at the track record. You know, we've had two record losses and the worst loss in the millennium for twenty years. Hmm. You know, it's it it, it is the, so deflating. It, it breaks your soul, sort of watching it and realizing what's happening. But then yeah. you you turn the other page and you look. Let, let's try and look positively. You know, we have got a few young boys in there who are doing well. You know, Joe Hawkins has been fronting up. Yes, he's, you know, he, he's not the usual, you know, crash ball style 12, which we've been used to for over a decade. But, you know, chances are, you know, he's going to move to 10 at some point in his career. And when we look at in the forwards, we've got David Jenkins and Christian who are doing pretty well considering... They have minimal experience, even with Exeter. You know, mm-hmm. they are fronting up, and these boys are doing well. You know, I I think we could we could probably do with a back row with Jack Morgan and Ravel in there, but mm-hmm. it's a case of working out how to balance it. I mean, would you be willing to try Shunzer at eight? Is it worth dropping Falatau? You know, because as much as he didn't really perform as great as he does against Ireland. He really showed up in that game on the weekend. Yeah, and I, I, I would like to see Shinza at, at eight. I like he's got the size, he's got the pace, he's got the bulk to to do what you need. We, we need somebody in that back row, whether it's somebody at six or somebody at eight, that can take a heavy ball forward. That can that can take a uh, you know a short tight pass off nine in an emergency and drag three or four players in and hold the ball up long enough to to for support to get to them, make five yards, down ball on the floor and then out. You know, it, you need a player that you can kind of rely on. Like like the Scarlets use Callum Afoni, you know? He he is the Give it to him, crash ball, and we know that we go from that ruck there and we can run at a, a 35 to 45 degree angle for five metres and hit the next ruck, and then we'll create quick ball. We we don't have that kind of player in the back row with Wes or in the second row. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we need, we desperately need somebody that can give us a a guaranteed platform that you can build a game around. Yeah, and it, it's not even just saying it's all the forwards' fault. You know, the, the set piece is is crumbling, and something that we've seen, you know, that Parker Scarlet so over the last couple of months certainly, is that when we get a decent ball off a line into the scrum, we are trying things on first phase, second phase, and they're working, mm-hmm. and they, they don't seem to be any inkling of them even willing to try to do something like that. Mm. Well, I I don't understand how. Ken can throw 100% accurate at, at the Scarlets and then can start missing stuff at international level. I, I haven't seen him miss this many lineouts. Yeah, we, we've spoken about it before. It's, it's a combination. It's the thrower, the jumper, the lifters, you know, the, the protection, all of that kind of stuff. But I've never seen it done that bad with, with Ken throwing in. It's just, I don't know. It, it, it should be... A pretty basic thing, you know. Yeah, and one thing everyone, everyone who's played the game, especially in the forwards, if your lineup is struggling, where do you throw? You go front ball. You just get that ball. You keep it safe, and mm. we're not even doing that. No. It's like if, if you can't win a middle ball or back ball, 
go front, go quick, just secure it and get it out. Don't don't waste around you know, trying to set. Just really walk in, jump, get it out. Yeah, yeah. Or do something different, you know. We, we've seen Wales have got, you know, a different line out where nobody's looking and somebody nips at the front or we split a three and three and drop it in the middle and stuff like that. And, yeah, anyway, it'll be... Italy next <laughs> and you're just well, oh lord <laughs> you know, Rome is because I, I know they haven't won you know this six nations but Rome is becoming a bit of a fortress I mean they ran France and Ireland you know the top yeah. two teams in the world really close I mean one or two things change in those games and they've walked away with wins yep. you know the only positive I can say is they star player you know uh, I can't say his name probably Capuzzo Yep. You know, he, he's out injured. That's that's the only positive I can say going into that game. <laughs> what a mess. What an absolute mess. Well, we'll talk about Italy next week because we've got um, we've got some domestic stuff to talk about. Oh, um, yes. But before we move on to Scarlet stuff, so we haven't really... Well, we purposely avoided it last week so we could talk about a fantastic Scarlets win against Edinburgh. So let's let's talk about the goings on in Welsh rugby at the minute, mate. And go on, off you go. I'm going to put my feet up for five minutes. <laughs> the floor is yours. Off the you go. The floor is mine. I don't want the floor. I really don't. It is <laughs> as bad as the loss was against England and the way we're playing. It's even more embarrassing if you lock into the background of everything that's happening, I mean, we've got players being offered, you know, like 15, 16% of the, of the current contract. I mean, it is, it's absolute disgusting. I mean, I, I'm all for cutting costs and, and making it more sustainable, but you, you don't do that in one quick draw. You do that over the space of five, 10 years, you phase out all the much bigger paid players and you just only increase you know your current players by a moderate amount you don't let them get to that sort of level but to see uh, that you know they're expecting squad sizes to drop down as low as you know 33 36 it's just not doable you know you you think look, look at us last season i think we had an injury list of 22 players at one point I mean, yeah. you do that with a squad of 36 players. You haven't even got a match day 15. Mm. No, it's, it's just not going to work. I mean, the minimum number in my eyes for any squad should be 46. You can put two match day squads out there and, you know, you work from that. But I mean, when you're thinking they're going to be having at least 10 players less than that, it, it's just not going to be good. And obviously... Dwayne Peel has come out, Nigel Walker, as you know, run his mouth a bit and saying, you know, <laughs> contracts are going to be signed, not signed, but at least offered this week. And yes, contracts are going out there, but it's not because the WRU were making sure they're going out there. It's the regions, it's their benefactors are saying, okay, we will we'll make sure this money is paid mm-hmm. until this deal is signed. And okay, yeah, the WRU they will give a little bit of money to keep you afloat, just enough to keep you afloat. They won't, you know, give you any money to invest in anything. It's just so ridiculous that you know we've had zero official funding for a season that started ten months ago. Hmm. You know, it, it, it's terrible. 
and I think it's having, a, you know, when you when you put it in the framework of all the other stuff that's going on in the WIU, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the stuff about governance, stuff about sexism, stuff about racism, you know, you put Almost it all together. Yeah, and you you put it all in there, and you go, how did that organization? get to a stage where it is this bad do you know what i mean and and the bit the and i i've said this for many many years um and i've been kicked out of clubs for saying it i've been told that my my uh, attendance and my support services at uh, uh, within the club are no longer required because you stand up and say something about the culture you stand up and you say something that actually this this isn't right, you know what the way that the the club is being right run, the way that the area, the 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 county or whatever is being run, and and you put your hand up and you say this isn't right, and you get booted. You go right up because, and this this comes right from the WRU, and and this is why I don't think people understand how deep and how wide this particular river is. Yeah, it's people think that this is like a little stream that's trickling through the the WIU of you know a, a few bad people making a few. Bad. It's not. It's a culture that runs through the WIU from the top right down to the lowest clubs. Yeah, and even within you know the those smallest clubs, you still have people in those smallest clubs that don't want women in the club. Yeah, it's a small minority now, and it's better than where it was a couple of years ago. But you still have people in those clubs going, "No, no, nah. the only women in here should be waitressing behind the bath and stuff like that." Yeah, and I'd, I've been told that before. I've been, I was, I was told to get out of a club when I said we needed a women's team, yeah, a, a, a girls' team, and we needed to do something now because my girls were finishing. Uh, you know, they get to that age where they cut off. And there was nothing in between under 13s or under 14s or whatever and senior level. So we need an under 16s or an under 18s, somewhere where these girls can go and continue to develop. So don't go encouraging women in this club. And yeah, like absolutely ridiculous. And the the culture of bullying within Welsh rugby, yeah, forget the WYU for a minute, within Welsh rugby, that culture of bullying and whoever's in charge of the club or in charge of the, the the county or whatever it is there are too many people that are in that position and have been there for a long time because they're a good guy and you know they do a lot for the the club or they do a lot for the county or whatever but they're not there because they're any good at their job or they're they're any good at doing that position they're there because a few of their mates said, you go do that and I'll scratch your back and you scratch mine. And it's it's got to stop. It's It's got to stop because it's ruining the game from top to bottom and it's players that are getting the shafted end of it. And you can add to that as well. I mean, if you, you talk about our clubs being the base of everything, I mean, if you look at any committee across any of the clubs, how many of, of those committee members are under 35 or under 40? You you just don't see it. There, there's no way for a younger person to say, look, I, I want, I love this club. I, I want to have this club. Let me 
come and lend a hand. Let me let me you know share my ideas and whatnot. And when you talk about you know women not being allowed in clubs and stuff, you you just look at them and you shake your head. And okay, historically, yes, it has been a male only game, but historically, men have always been the ones working. Who who are the ones who have been bringing these boys to training every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, being there on a Sunday? It's yes. the women and the mothers who are there taking these kids to these games. They are the ones who are responsible for us having international players. Because yes, the fathers love rugby, but ninety percent of the time the fathers are up working and they can't take them. It's the mm. mothers who are taking them and driving them forward and telling them not to give up. Mm. And but it's an attitude that is that has run it's it's an attitude that says, I'm in charge and I'm right and you 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 do as I say. And there is no um there, there's no pushback. That's why the the players got to the bit where they went on strike because it's come down and it's gone. We're right, and you you do as we say because we're in charge. And no issues, no no conversation, no nothing. We're right. You do as we say. Um, and they're now in a position where the players are going like, actually, no, no. You you need to listen. You need to. There needs to be a dialogue. There needs to be more of a a two-way street with those players and with the regions. Yeah, I, th- I think that confuses it as well with, you know, you've got players at international level uh, going on strike and you're like, well, who are they angry with? Are they angry with the WIU? Are they angry with the regions? Who are, they, are they standing up for the regions against the WIU? Are they standing up for players against the regions? Do you know what I mean? It gets really, really confusing. So, so yeah, the, so the WIU have got a lot of issues and, you know, that is right the way through uh, the, the game. And the Scarlets are, you know, feeling it as much as everybody else is. So Yeah, everybody's a part of this same system in one way or the other. And as much as us as regions are separate entities... We are very much under the WIU fold, so you know mm. this needs to be looked at at every region as well as every club. Because uh, even though we've only heard of it from the WIU side of things, there's, there's undoubtedly things going on within the regions. Some comments here or there, whether or not they they've been taken care of or not, you know things do need to be looked at on a total basis across everywhere. And. Mm. I don't think that this is anywhere near the end of of this particular saga in Welsh rugby. Oh, this is the beginning. Yeah, we've just yeah. opened the first chapter. We have we haven't even got out to the first chapter yet. And you know, this is this is a four thousand page book. We're going to be here for a while. Yeah, and uh, if if you're in Ireland now or in Scotland, you must be sitting there and just laughing and going. Come on, boys! Come on! This is, uh, you know, Wales of the New Italy. We there's a couple of guaranteed points every time we play. Now it, it's it, it, if for a nation that used to be so proud of that game and so you know at the cutting edge of that game, you know it was it was a Welshman that took that game professional, you know. It was um, what was the name Vernon? Was it Vernon Pugh that did it? 
I think he was in charge of the um, what's become the ARB at the time, and he was the one that that pushed and signed to get the professional game in place. And we just don't. We just I don't know. We haven't seem to grasp i think we keep trying to copy what other people do we can't we tried to copy what we did back in the 60s and 70s when we were great and we're not actually sitting there and going right okay what does what does welsh rugby need now what does welsh rugby you know as a whole where are the issues where are the problems how do we go forward we just it's firefighting the whole time yeah, like, there's no issue with copying other people's models. It's just a fact of you don't copy a hundred percent of it. You mm. take what you want and then you add your own bits. And it's just there's no there's no looking towards the future. There's no foresight there. There's no thinking. Okay, what situation are we going to be in if we do this in five years' time, in ten years' time? Mm. You know, is this affordable? Will we have the this play numbers? Because we can go all the way back to two thousand and three when regionalism came in place and they didn't properly look at the, at the pathway system hmm. because that, that is what has brought this on now. They say we don't have any middle 20-somethings. Well, that midi tw- middle 20-something player is who would have been starting playing around 2003 to 2008 when regionalism hmm. first came in. We didn't have a proper pathway system there. And, you know, even now, so many boys are getting lost. I mean, I'm hearing stories out of academies where boys, you know, some of the best boys, you know, just because they're not in the right school or, you know, they're from the wrong village, they they, they get enshafted and they say, no, we don't care if you're, you're the best in your position. You know, I, I know this boy, I, I work with him three days a week, he's staying, you were not. It's just not right. Mm. And that's what I mean by, you know, we don't know how, I think we underestimate how deep the culture of Welsh rugby is within clubs, regions, whatever. And I think it's going to take a long time. I think we will come out of it in a better place. But I think there's a lot of people that are involved in the game now. And people who've been involved in the game for a long time are going to have their noses put out of joint and are going to have to step to one side because actually the way we need to do things now is different. You know, we we, we have to move on. And too many people who are too powerful that are not there for the interests of the game and for the players, you know, and and, and I, I've seen that at every single level, you know, within the game. Um, and I, I know that, no, I'm going to not say anything. <laughs> I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> so anyway, there's a lot of work to do. It won't be the last time we're going to talk about uh, the WIU and the regions, mate. Um, so let's let's move on to the regions. Before we talk about the Munster game, yeah, let's talk about how the contracts... Who do we... Dwayne has said this week that he's got 20 players out of contract at the end of this season and he's expecting to retain 10 of them. So um, I don't yeah. specifically know well, who is out of contract, but what's your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I don't know if that 20 includes Blade, Callum Afoni and Sebastian, who are already confirmed leaving or retiring. 
but you know we can just we just look at the squad and we think of you know who's likely to go who's likely to stay i mean i think half penny's going you know we he's he's been here six years now i think it is that's that's probably the end of his contract and the way it's going he's not going to be offered even a quarter of the money he's on mm. so I, I can see him going over the border maybe bristol maybe bath mm. you know it's a World Cup cycle, so I think maybe Mickle might be going back. No, he might head back to New Zealand. You know, if if he doesn't get picked in the summer, you know that's going to be the end of him because he's not going to be around for another World Cup cycle. And he has said when he when he won his first Welsh cap, that's what he wants. He wants mm. to play in a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, we go into the centres. I, I think Scott Williams is still contracted for another year. I don't know that whether. You know, what these contract talks are with Foxy. I don't know if he's out. Um, some of the rumours I've heard is that uh, Patchell and Hardy are both leaving and they they both head into a, another Welsh region down east. Uh, I don't know right. if it's the same one. They could, could, they could both be going to Cardiff Dragons. They could go to one each, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And then we, we come into the forwards and, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, Tom Price staying around because he, he's been here a couple of years again and he, he's not used. And into into the front row specifically, you know, Wilgriff John, you know, he he hasn't played much for us. He's been here a few years. His contract could be up. We could see Samson Lee retire. I mean, that's that's always an option, which I hope we don't see because I do want him to get back mm. onto the field. And then we look over to you know Luke said you know Phil Price is still contracted with us, so. He, He's probably likely to go if he's out of contract, and you know, Win Jones might be looking to pick up a payday now. I, I know he's got his, his the farm and everything back home, but you know, it, he can take he can take care of that if he can go away and make you know bloody four hundred k for two or for a season for two years. You yeah. know, he, he's not going to turn his nose up at that. And we've already heard the uh, the rumours about Elias leaving, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ken going either if he's out of contract. Ken, you think Ken would go? The money, if he's out of contract, the, the money situation's got to be, you know, a massive yeah. pull. Just because I, I would imagine, you know, he's in, he's in the, he's the in current the bracket. bracket. Yeah, yeah, you know, the the two fifty to four fifty bracket they put up for the Lions players last time. He's in that, and mm-hmm. I can't imagine him getting, you know, the same this time around. And he's not going to be featuring in every single Wales game anymore. You know, if mm-hmm. Dewey Lake is, is fit for the World Cup, then I would imagine, you know, Ken is probably going to be benched for a couple of those games, maybe one or two starts. So well, he's not going to be able to pick up that the sort of the international money that they're saying is there. Hmm. Well, Gatland has said that Ken's his captain to take him through the World Cup and then there'll be a change before the next year's um, Six Nations. That's that's what he said. So it's a, yeah. it's a restart. But it's... Um, yeah, I'm thinking people like Lazana is probably someone who is is a decent player, but is likely to be on quite a hefty, hefty uh, sum. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the back row is about to get an absolute hammer, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Gareth Davis leave. I think Gareth Davis has still got a year left in his contract. Has he? Okay, it's. I think it's people in that kind of bracket that are at the, you know, he's 
he's still a, a superb regional player, but he's he's not at international level anymore. Um, oh, I, I wouldn't say that. Look, watching Thomas Williams on the weekend. I, I was going to say, but then you look at what we put out last weekend, and you think, well, maybe. But um, yeah, it, it, I think we've got class coming through in uh, um, at scrum half, and I think that's where you roll the dice. You know, I think you go with Dane Blacker and those two, and you and you free up whatever cash you can by offloading. The, um, Kieran Hardy and, and Gareth Davis. And and the same goes for, you know, Patchell. We, if we take Patchell out and, you you know, Costello, I think they move heaven and earth to keep Costello. But then you go, right, okay, Costello, you, let's say you stick with Costello and Dan Jones, who's your third backup. You need, you, you need somebody there. Yeah. And, well, you know... You, you have to run in three front rows, so that's nine players. That's nine of your thirty-six. Where you ha- you you cannot run without three front rows. So you've got nine players. So you've now got. Oh, let me do the math. Twenty twenty-seven players. Yeah, and you've got uh, twelve positions to fit those. You know, that's two for each plus maybe three. Utility players, that's not a lot. Yeah, well, you're probably looking at a World Cup squad. You know, what, what we see in the World Cup is what we're likely to see in the regions going forward. Mm. I mean, m- moving on from people we expect them to leave, you know, there, there are, you know, Dwayne has said himself, he is hoping to see a couple of sign-ins. And, you know, I, based on what we got with, you know, with Carl leaving, I think Fafita is going to be a mainstay at six now. So, you know, I, I, get, I would imagine we'd be looking to bring in another lock. If Patchell is leaving, we're probably, you know, we have got Josh Phillips and Tal Reese in the academy, but I don't know if either of those boys are up to standard already quite yet. So we're probably looking at another 10 coming in. Mm-hmm. And then Sam Wainwright is on loan. And, you know, as far as I know, he's hoping to make that permanent. Yeah, it's, yeah no, he's not on loan. He's on a one-year temporary deal so he's got nowhere to go back to he's, he, he's got nowhere to go after so if he doesn't land a Scarlet's deal he's a free agent um you know the whole thing is just uh, uh poor you know when we talk about academy players so w- what i've been told about academies now and this is Scarlet's and um uh, uh, another region um that academies will become more of a holding place for players ready to play. It's not a development tool. It's not a development location anymore. If you're an academy, you you essentially need to be ready to to fill in the the third man, if you like that. So the third outside half, the the third inside centre, the third full back will be an academy player. And so if you're going to be an academy, you need to be rocked, bulked, and ready to play. And that would be okay for this season and maybe next season. But then with your, well, what happens after that? Because that's your academy players and our senior players. Where'd you go then? I've got no problem with academy players being lined up, you know, as your third option in the backs. 
maybe as as back row as well because like i know we've seen luca giannini at 18 play this season mm-hmm. and he's doing it but if you're talking front five forwards at 18 19 years old being drafted in to play against the likes of tag furlong it, it no it, it's just not safe no. I, I don't care how big, how strong these boys are. You need a couple of years' experience of going against men, not kids your own size, kids your own age. You need experience against men before you can be put in that position. Like, mm. No problem with the backs and, and the back row, but front five forwards, no way. I mean, David Jenkins and Christians, I think, are exceptions to the rule. You're probably not even looking at getting a looking at regional level till you're at least 20, 21. Well, this is where I think the whole of Welsh rugby is missing a trick with the, the way, even with Louis Rees-Zamet, you know, they came through Bucks League. Yeah, same as Ewan Shenton. So Ewan Shenton should come into the the, the, the format next year as well. And, same as Alex Dombrandt. Yeah. And I I think that that's the way it's going to have to go now with academies. Academies will essentially be um, an extension of um, an extension of the first team for players who are match day ready. Yeah. And the bulk of what we now class as academies, that work will now go back to colleges and universities. But the, and, and th- I think, this is why I was reading between the lines through the season, you know, the amount of work that Trinity are doing to up their rugby um, programme and the Scarlet are helping massively with that. Um, and I think that is where the, the future lies. Um, same with Swansea. I think a lot of players will just be told, go to Swansea or go to, to Trinity. And that's essentially, they will develop young players. They will they will take on the young players and because you almost can't you know you've got time to do your skill work you've got time to do your fitness work you've got time to do your S and C work and you're getting a, a an education at the same time and you've got a regular weekly competition. Um, I think that's where academies now have to go. I think that will be the certainly for the period of this contract, this this six year or whatever, that's the only way we're going to develop serious players for the future is, is through Bucks and universities and colleges. Um that the college system that we've got at the minute doesn't it doesn't work. It only runs for three months. Yeah, and it's um you know, we can say about, oh, you know, so-and-so's come through, so-and-so's. We, we are not developing players the way that they need to be developed in that college system at the minute. And, and the colleges only really look at boys under 18 as well. So hmm. we need that, that 18 to 22-year-old where, hmm. you know, they can go. And if we do go to universities, they play on a Wednesday like the colleges. So they can play their game on the Wednesday and they can still be fit and available for the weekend with the Scarlets if need be and then have a week off from college. So hmm. there's workloads can be managed that way. It's not as though oh, you're not playing for the college this week and then oh, Scarlett's saying, oh, you're not in the match day 23. They're not losing match day fitness that way. Mm. And I just say, you know, if we are going to lose 10 players from the senior squad this year, um, I say, it, it, 
it, it's like you were saying earlier about, you know, you, you're now seeing the effects of regionalization and that those first kind of five years that were lost where we didn't really bring anyone into the game. We didn't say, this is your pathway. This is how you go through. We're in danger of doing that now with academies where we shaft academies now. So, you know, we, we, we've spoken before about, you know, my boy is, is in that. My boy is, is going to England. My boy's now going to stay in England. And he is not the only one. You know, he's in a in a rugby college in England. And they are the his college first team is made up of 13 Welsh players. And of those 13 Welsh players, 10 of them are um, capped at under-18s. So, you know, there's a load of quality in there. And the feedback we're getting already is most of those players are now going to go and play in England. So be under no illusions that, you know, what you're doing now, what the WRU are doing now is already having an effect on players coming through for the next four or five years, you know? Yes, I I got no issues with our boys going to uh, the likes of Clifton, the likes of Hartbury, going down to Exeter. You know these not quite border schools, but you know close enough. Mm. And there's no reason why a shared load of boys can't go out because you know the the less players that we have to focus on here, you know, means that we can build a couple more up. Mm. So if we got thirty boys, you know, in England getting the quality they need then we can work on getting 15 per region here, you know? So we're talking instead of just 60 players, we're talking 90 players, which can be a good thing. What we need to watch out for is since the under twenties ruling is gone and it can no longer be a capture rule for nations, we need an A squad back just so that when these boys are, are turning 20, 21, you know, they've done the, the last year of the under 26 nations we take them on a summer tour as Wales A and we keep them in Wales. We cap them for Wales A and then we keep them. Mm. Otherwise, we're going to lose our best boys. I mean, I, I know he's not technically Welsh, but is it Harry or Henry Arund- Arundel who's playing for England? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's got Welsh eligibility. You know, if you know the Excel programme was working properly at 20 years old, we would be capping a shed load of boys from England in, in the Wales A squad. Just to make sure that we got them as options in the future, and yes, you could say you know they're not Welsh born, they're not Welsh, blah blah blah. It's it's that's not how the game works anymore. You can't mm. just you know, I mean, look at Scotland. I mean, how many of their players were born in Scotland? Yeah, I mean, I, I think true. it was like ten of their players were born outside of Scotland in the last match day squad. You know, mm. you've got to work with what you've got, and if we're not producing enough here with with the pathway in the four regions we got, we're not. We need to look outside of that. Hmm. And I think when you when you register for academies now, one of the questions that they do ask is, you know, what's your nationality eligibility? And you know, if you if you're writing down there, I'm, you know, I'm Welsh, but my granddad was English and my grandmother was Scottish then your college feeds back to the Scottish rugby board and the English rugby board and said, by the way, you know, there's a, there's an eligible boy here. So it's one of those things that 
I think we're not going to find out about for the next. I think we're going to have to go through two seasons of you know players coming to the end of their contract and just kind of a shakedown at the end of every season and who finishes bottom of the URC. You know that's 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 what it's going to come to. You know how close to the bottom of the URC are we going to finish? Um, and then we're going to have a gap. We'll probably have like two seasons where everything settles down, and then you'll start having this gap of we haven't developed players to come through. You know that gap's going to come in about four or five years' time, where the players that are now should be coming through the academy development system are going nah nuts to this. We're 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 off, and when you when you take in the players that we're now going to lose, you know we're going to lose a lot of quality players who will be around other players and, you know, it's not just when you talk about someone like Ken, Ken isn't just the player that appears on the pitch, you know, Ken and Foxy, because they're, they're the two that I know that do this, but they will go around and talk to other players and, you know, encourage other players and, and, you know, spend time with other players. You know, it's almost like having another coach, another mentor. It's like having somebody else around to say, Here's how you can, you know, have you looked at your game? Let's have a look at your videos together. Let's let's sit down and have a coffee and talk through your game. You know, that's that's the role they play within the club. So you now take that that senior level of players out, and I and I don't know how you now expect regions to move forward. You know, we, we are as at the Scarlets, we are going to lose a lot of intelligence out of the club in the next two to three years. Guarantee it. Well, I think that's enough of that. <laughs> we said we were going to try and make it a positive one, mate. <laughs> we're about to move on to positive. We're going to talk just Scarlet's rugby. Let's, yeah, let's, let's just... Rugby. And this is why I said we could do it last week. Uh, you know, when the positives are there, let's just focus on the positives. And uh, it's been a tough old week, tough old couple of weeks. So, Munster, Friday night, away in Munster. Ooh. <laughs> What's, uh, how are you, are you excited by this? By I'm really excited. I, yeah. I am bouncing for this game. This game and the Sharks game at home, which is next. Yeah, I, I I know I know we got breathing Europe the following week, but these two games I'm really bouncing for because these are going to be markers for how far we've come. Yeah, mm. and you know I look I know Munster had a massive victory over the Ospreys was it fifty eight three? But I watched that game back, and a majority of the tries came from you know lack of defending, lack of effort, which is not something that we have seen from our players since probably October time. You know, mm. we've got that work rate, we've got that attitude in our hand. I think we, especially the way our attack is developing now, and, you know, Dwayne Peel being freed up and Lee Brackett working in there alongside has, has done massive wonders. Hope to God he stays. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, we are developing better. We are scoring tries off first phase. We are, you know, breaking teams down. It is brilliant and I am fully expecting us to go out there and do Munster over hmm. Well, do you remember not even this season, I think it was last season where we played Munster at home I think it was quite early in the season and they came with basically a second string 
side. I think it might have been a Sunday game. Um, and the, the Munster second string absolutely took us apart. They they put like 40-odd, 50-odd points on us. Yeah, it was last season. It was 43-13. Yeah. And so you look back at that game and then you look at this game and you think, actually, this... You know, this this is how far we've grown now. This is, you know, the defence feels solid. At, at the minute, that defence feels solid. It's still going to take a while to be 100% confident. And I think until we start playing Munster, Sharks, uh, Leinster, Ulster again, you know, until we go through those big teams and we start putting in a performance against the big teams... We're not going to know how good we actually are. Yeah, um, I think we, we when we played the Bulls, um, I thought that was just massive. That was that was a, a, a huge uh, confidence boost for that. So if we turn in anything now against Munster, I can see that really kicking on to the end of the season. And and this this is. It's an important game in the URC, but it's also an important game in in the in the development of that team, you know. And, and, yeah, because they're not all you know senior, not senior players. They're not all established senior players. I mean, we're still talking Costello's first season being number one. Mm. We're talking Joe Roberts. You know, he, he's finally had a run of games. Mm. You know, we got. Ryan Combia, he is now firmly established as a proper regional player and should well be an international at some point soon. And then we look into our forwards. You know, Morgan Jones has been fronting up massively these last couple of games. I've been really impressed with him. And, you know, we got young Carwin Tuapalotu and Ben Williams, who made his debut in the last game. You know, we've got a good, solid core of under-25s who are leading us forward. It's not as though we're talking of a, of a team of mainly 27 to 32 year olds. We're talking a youngish core who are, are you know, developing fast, playing good rugby mm-hmm. and it's boding them well for the future. I mean, looking, just looking at our front row for the future. I mean, even if we lose, we lose our, our top four front rowers, we lose Wynn Jones, Ken and Elias, we lose Samson. We're then talking Kenzie Mathias, who's been outstanding, and Stephen Thomas, as you said. Like, Sean Evans, David Hughes, and Taylor Davis at Hooker, who have, none of them have taken a backward step. And then we've got Wayne Wright and Harry O'Connor as our tight heads. And, you know, Mm -hmm. these are all, you know, mostly pretty young boys. I know the Hookers are a little bit older, but they've had Ken and Elias to face with. You know, they're not going to get a shoe in. Yeah, but you know we've got young props and young in terms of you know front row hookers to keep us going for a good five years, and this mm. is just really really positive going mm. forward. And you know I I can look at the stats, I can look at the negatives, I can go oh well, you haven't beaten Munster in Ireland since the final, you know bloody six years ago. Well, you've only beaten but... them once since that final. Well, that doesn't matter. You know yeah. what matters is is this game this weekend, yeah. And... and I think you throw into that mix as well, um, uh, Dan Davis, and then you've got um, 
uh, what's his name coming back from injury? Um, McLeod. McLeod coming back from injury. And you go, actually, you know, with McLeod coming on for the last 20 minutes, you know, Dan Davis doing what he does for the first 60 and then McLeod coming on and doing what he does for the last 20, we're going to win a lot of ball. You know, and we, we've shown that we can score tries. Um, you've got someone like Dane Blacker running the show in the middle there with Costello outside him. And all of a sudden, like you say, young team starting to develop and you go, yeah, this this is starting to actually feel really good. You know, even even some of the oldies, like Steph Evans, on his Zimmer frame out on the wing, he's in some of the best form that he's been in for years now. You know, he yeah, he's breaking of... scoring records everywhere. He's doing awesome. Yeah, and you just think, you know, this is, it is actually starting to click. And the concern is, is you know, who have we got beneath that that first 15? Um, I say Ben Williams coming through, um, Eddie James, really good to see Eddie James scoring that try. The, the bit I liked with Eddie James scoring that try is his first contact was a nightmare pass and he got absolutely broken into. And it didn't phase him. He got up and he went, give me the ball and go on at him. And he had a couple of decent runs and then he had a chance to run over, uh, to crash ball over the line. Superb. Just, just the way it should be. That try, I, I want to really pinpoint if anyone can look back and look at that try, is something that we've spoken about is your ABC of rugby, your agility before contact is stepping before the tackler. He takes that ball. The first man is directly in front of him. He steps literally no more than two metres away from him and he walks straight past him. Yeah, That is what you need to do. You need it's someone like Peter Omani is one of the best in the world at doing it. The way he, his footwork is before contact, and Eddie James done it impressively. So if he doesn't do that step, he gets tackled and with three meters from the line. Yeah, no, it, it is what yeah. it is. He makes that step and he's missed the first tackler, and then you've got two people on diagonal runs trying to stop him, and he's not filled out yet. He's still only twenty, but he's a big boy. He's like six foot four and like six four. 15, yeah. 16 stone. You know, he, he's going to put on another stone, stone and a half over the next two years in, in you know, old in old man muscle. You know, as, as I was always told, it would be, you, you know, you've got your kiddie muscle up until you're about 20, 21, and then you get your man strength. You know, and that's only going to make him even more dominating. But the, the bit I liked as well was the way everyone kind of came around him and celebrated with him. And, and they realised, you know... Um, scoring a try on your debut after you've just been, you know, broken into um it is quite special. It is and it's it's something you only get to do the once you only get one debut by definition. So for him and Ben Williams to have, you know, a really, really decent debut, um, I was delighted for him. Really, really yeah. delighted. I d I don't think it was just that with Eddie. He's been on the bench a few times this season yeah, and yes. He's been itching to get on and he finally gets on and, you know, he takes a massive hit, like you said, and he gets back up and says, is that all you got? And yeah. then he just waltzes over the line. It's brilliant. So hopefully we'll see quite a lot of those players this weekend. And, and I think we'll probably see this is how it's going to be going forward now. Do you know what I mean? We'll, we'll start to see, with the best will in the world, um, you know, 
Dwayne will already be thinking of, you know, who am I developing for next season? Who's going to stay? Who's not going to be here next season? And if you've got somebody who's not going to be here next season, is there any point in putting them on the park? Um, there's I, I two think, ways to it. Do you make the most yeah. of them while they're here? Or do you go, right, this is, I want to develop another player for next year. So it's a difficult one. Yeah, you alluded to it earlier, someone I completely missed in Thomas Lozana. And I, I see him every every time I go down the park, you know, on match days. He's there warming the boys up in, in you know, the, the, the you know the extra seven match day players they got to warm up. He's always in amongst them, but he's not involved in the match day 23 anymore. So, you know, is is that a sign to come? I love Lozana as a player. I mean, if he's worth, if we can get him on the money that's right, I think he's a brilliant player to have because, you know, he, he is a very dominant carrier. But at the same time, you know, if he is off and we've got Dan Davis playing so well, we've got Fafita really taking that sick shirt and having a laugh with it, you know, it's 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 a no-brainer, really. We've, we've got to stick with who's going to be here. Hmm. But I think that's how the rest of the season will go. And then there'll be, if it's a nothing game, um, I can't see there being a nothing game, maybe the very last game of the season no. where it's not going to... You know, then you I, chuck in everyone that's going. I really don't think we've got any nothing games left because I think we need to win all these games, stand a chance to finish top of the Welsh Shield. And the way the yeah. Cardiff and Ospreys have both been going, there is now a legitimate chance of us finishing top. If you, mm. you would ask me a month ago, you know, are we going to get into the Champions Cup through the Welsh Shield? I would have said no. But Cardiff have been Ospreys haven't kicked on in the league. You know, we've got a real opportunity here to yeah. try and get it. Back to the top, and I'm just thinking now. Last game of the season is Judgment Day, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Not, even throwing them in on the last day of the season isn't gonna <laughs> isn't gonna work. It'll be interesting, interesting. So let's have a prediction then for the Munster game. Let's not forget Munster are talking about um, uh, RG Steinman making his comeback again. I think he played against us the last time he had a comeback and he lasted about 10 minutes and his knee went or his calf went or something. Um, so, yeah. How uh, how are you seeing the game this weekend? What's your score? My score, I think we're going we're gonna to punish them. I think they're going to be in the exact same mindset of when they finished off at the Ospreys. These Welsh boys don't tackle. They don't want to do it. And we are going to come at them and I think they're going to struggle. I think it's going to be something about twenty six ten to us. Hmm. I I think if we um, they did a lot of damage with the Ospreys off the back of a line out and in tight to scrums. I think if we sort those two out, it's particularly if we sort it out in the first ten minutes, and they run that first one and you go bang down turnover. Thank you very much. I think we will run away with it. I think we'll put bonus point on them. Um, and it all depends on that first 10 minutes. So much of it is is how they come out the door. And if we can catch them cold, bearing in mind they'll be at home, they've got a massive crowd behind them. It's how we cope with going over there and, you know, are they going to come out cocky? Are we going to come out all firing? Are we going to be too cocky after we've got, you know, six, seven wins on the bounce or whatever? So I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with 32-15 to Scarlet. Come on, the boys. Yes, I'm feeling positive. I found my positivity. 32-15. Yeah, that's, that's my score. That's where we're going. 
Lovely. Cool. Finally. Finally, yeah. we got some happiness <laughs> out of you. It's taken like an hour and nine minutes, but we've got we some got happiness there. from you. Right, let's take it right back down to um, to the other level and have a look at the championship and do some predictions for this weekend. <laughs> so, okay, um, let's have a look. So the first game up is Narbeth against Neath in uh, in the championship. <laughs> Best yeah, win in the world, they, they, you know. Yeah, they they don't come much harder than you know Neath and Pont de Poole at this level. And, you know, it was a very encouraging performance earlier in the season when we went to the Knoll. But Narbeth have been on a bit of a, a downward spiral. And uh, as much as I'd like to see them come out of it, even if they do come out of it, I can't see them beat beneath. Yeah. It's a, it's a hammering. You're, you're on a hammering to nothing on that one. So you may as well go out and enjoy the game. Play the game and, and, and enjoy it. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm giving that one to Neath by... 20, 30 odd points probably on that one. So down into West One. So who have we got? Aberystwyth, Bellin Boyle. Yeah, repeat of the 13 all draw, you know, early in the season. You know, Aber on a bit of a bit of a downturn at the same at the minute. But you know, I, I would say Aberystwyth at home should take this. Yeah, well, they, they're in fifth and sixth in the table. Yeah, Vellinvoyle in fifth, Aberystwyth in sixth, but Vellinvoyle have got two games in hand on Aberystwyth. But, like I say, it's at home. So, yeah, I'm going Aberystwyth win as well. I think they'll I think they'll take them on that. Yeah. Uh, Krimich and Gowerton. Yeah, Krimich, they, they won in Gowerton early in the season. They, they're on a massive run. They've, you know, at home as well, you know, they, they should be taking this. They should be winning by a good score or two. Yeah, uh, I, I'd agree with that. I know Gowerton in third, but then they've got, uh, they've played two games more. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be a, a, a decent game, um, that one. Newcastle, Emlyn, Gorsainen. Yeah, Newcastle is this going to be? I, I, I can't see, you know, outside of, you know, Krimich. Emlyn and Llanganek in this league at the minute. It'll be interesting once they all finally start playing against each other, but I, I don't see anyone else touching them at the minute. Yeah, and I think the Newcastle, Emlyn, Crimmick games, they, they're, the, they're the key ones. They're the important games. So, yeah, I'd same with you. Uh, Emlyn win on that one. Okay, Pencloud at home against Pembroke. Should we be positive here? Should we say Pembroke are finally going to break their duck? Oh, it's got, I mean, Pencloud are one off the bottom of the table. Pembroke are bottom of the table. Mm-hmm. Pembroke are on negative points at the minute because they've had points de- uh, deducted. So, you know, <laughs> I don't think Pembroke are going to be challenging for promotion this year. So, But at yeah. least they're not getting relegated. That's the positive we have to look at. Are they definitely not getting relegated now? Definitely not getting relegated. You know, I finally got you know some confirmation on you know all the promotions and stuff, and the only I think relegation is happening in one of the north divisions, so we don't have to worry about that down here at all. I think Pembroke would quite appreciate being relegated. <laughs> I think they'd quite appreciate a spell in Division Two. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well. 
I'll be honest, the way that the championship is definitely now split in into an East and a West, two 12 division teams, you know, three teams are being promoted from this league. So, you know, that means three teams from Division 2 are going to come up. So, you know, Pembroke have got a chance to be a, a mid-table and push on. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, are they going to win Pen on Club. Saturday? Yeah, Pen Club. I'm going to go Pembroke. I'm going to go Pembroke to sneak it by one. Just because at some point they've got to. Uh, and then finally in Division 1, Whitland against Hendy. Hendy are one place above Whitland. They've had points deducted as well. They won one more. Neither of them are having a great season, let's be honest. But yeah, I I just look at the last, the result early in the season. You know, sixty four thirty five to Hendy. Hmm. Even if it doesn't really play that much of a bear, and you look at that, and you think you, they can't lose. You know, even if they're traveling away, I'm I'm gonna have to back Hendy, unfortunately. Yeah, me too. It's unfortunate, but there we go. That's the way life is. Okay, so two west. Um, we've got Fishgarder away in Nankaredig. Yeah, it was it was a really close game last time out. It was only one point in it, uh, 2019 Nankaredig. And I want Fishgard to... To do more. I mean, anyone who likes, who wants your team to do better, obviously they want you to win more games. But I, I think Fishguard, they have, there is a chance here to try and get an away win on the board. So I, I'm going to go for Fishguard. Yeah, I just think, you know, Nankaredic second in the table. They've had a decent run. Um, they seem to be hitting their form. And, and Fishguard are still very up and down. You know, when we spoke to them at the start of the season, it was it was they knew it was going to be an inconsistent season because they've got a very small squad. So a couple of injuries here and there, and you know they know they're struggling. So I'm going to go with Nanka Reddick on that one, unfortunately, just because um, it gives me something to go against you with. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nasty. Yeah. So next, uh, really, really tough game. Uh, Milford away in Ponta del Ice. So Ponta del Ice top, not lost all season. Milford won from bottom, won two games all season. So yeah. there's no escape in this one. You know, it's, it's got to be a Ponta del Ice win. You know, let's just hope for a good performance from Milford. Yeah. And something that they can build on for next year, hopefully. Okay, next then, really interesting game, Tembi and Kidwelly. So Tembi in fourth, Kidwelly in fifth, but Kidwelly have got four games in hand over Tembi. Yeah, so, this is a bit of a grudge match. You know, the, the, the game early in the season, it was 27-26 in Kidwelly. To, and, you know, Tenby were so downhearted at, at that loss because they were in a good position up until that game. Mm. So uh, I reckon they're going to come at this even stronger. And I think Tenby are going to take them. Yeah. And I think it's good for, for the game. It's good for Tenby. They, they need to play these kind of games where it's going to be a bit niggly and it's going to get a bit, a, a bit tasty. There's going to be a bit of handbags in this game. We know that. Um, but they need to come through that and they need to play the game, spin the ball. And, and 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 play to their strengths. Um so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going for a Tembi win on that as well. Um 
and I, I think that'll be quite a good game. Right, I, I do I think that'll be an interesting game to uh, to watch on that one. Okay, so dropping down down into the depths. Oh, it's dark. It's dismal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Division three. Um, so let's start with Cardigan at home against Aberaeron. Yeah, and uh, I got to stick with Aberaeron. I, I know I've spoken about them, you know, having a, a topsy turvy moment, but I, I, I think they're going to be they're going to get things back on track now. Uh, a way to work cardigan. Hmm. Yeah, and I think the the structure of the promotion um, in Division Three is different, isn't it? Because it's the winner of each league, and yeah. then the best second place out of three A and three B. I think that's how it works. Yeah, it, it's really weird because you think, why not just stick them in a playoff? It'd be easier, but yeah. um, the, the way things are going, you know, it's going to be two from West A, two from our side because Lampeter and St Clair's and Larne, they they've just gone next to no losses between them, and they're picking bonus points up for fun. Whereas you look over into West B, and I think there's something like 10, 15 points behind. Yeah. You know, so I I would I would have thought the two places would be coming from West A. But then Abare run seat, they're in third place. So they're kind of, and they're only one point behind St. Clair's, but then St. Clair's got two games in hand, la, 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 la. So yeah, interesting, all to play for. And I think because of that, you know, Aberaeron and the fact that they should just beat Cardigan anyway. But yeah, for me, that's an Aberaeron win. But it'd be interesting to see how that table plays out at the end of the season. Um, next, then we've got Haverford West at home to Nayland. Can't see nothing but a home win, yeah. You know, I, I've been I've been really disappointed with Haverford West this year. I, I did back them to go on and win the league, but uh, you know I haven't quite managed those expectations. But you know, winning at home to Nayland it should be a shoe win. Yeah, well, Nayland are one place above them in the league, but Harford West have got two games in hand, and there's five points difference between them. So, you know, a Harford West win really closes that gap and makes that. Um, uh, a, a viable option to start pushing on and going up. Um, a Nayland win, and it kind of finishes any hopes of achieving anywhere near promotion for Haverford West. So I think it's, a, it's an interesting game. I'm going to go with a Harford West win as well, just because I think Goodbye. they've got more to play for than Nayland on that, in all honesty. Uh, next, Lampeter are hosting Pembroke or Quinns. So, Lampeter, top I of the division. Do, I would love to say Quinns could do it, but it, it's not going to happen. Lampeter are taking this all day. Yeah, it's that's a tough tough one, but it's uh, it's got to be a Lampeter win on that one, especially the, the distance involved and all of that kind of stuff. is. Uh, and Lampeter is always a tough place to go to anyway. So, yeah. Lampeter for for me, and then we got the Battle of the Stripes. Our our two favourite teams, Langham and St David's. In Langham, I'm not sure what the St David's away kit is. Whether it's yellow with black stripes or black with yellow stripes. Um, so, yeah, I'd be more interested. In genuinely, what is? I've never seen the St David's away kit. Never. So it's inside out. Yeah, we're playing skins for the second half. Um, so, yeah, 
Langham and St. David's, uh, what's your call on that one? Yeah, I, I've I've got a back St. David's by uh, I mean I I love Langham. I, I, I've never been there. I've never been to the rugby club, but I love them. You know, <laughs> they're a tiny little, what did you say, two-street village. Yeah. And they put out a rugby team. And, and you know, they've got a, a team in the in the youth knockouts on the weekend as well, which we'll come to in a bit. Mm-hmm. But, no, St. David's, they, they, they're going to win this. I just can't see anything other than that. I'm really sad. Yeah, um, but I think St. David's need to play their part here and it needs to be... Um... Uh, a fancy dress uh, visit Bees. to Langham. Bees, yeah, you've got to go in yellow and black, something in yellow and black. <laughs> but yeah, St. David's win for me there as well. So uh, then we've got Flannabother hosting Larn, which, you know, again, Flannabother are three from the bottom, Larn are fourth oh. from the top, but. I've got games in hand over Aberiron. Oh, when when these games in hand start unraveling, it's going to be really, really interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I I think it's going to finish something like Sinclair's Lamp de Lan. I, I think that's how it's going to go. I mean, obviously, this is just one prediction, and the three of them have only played 10 games, so they've all got eight left. So yeah. who knows what it's actually going to end up like, but that that would be my prediction. St. Clair's to go up in first and Lampard in second. Okay. Um, so are you predicting a land win? Yeah, land win. Nice, yeah. nice and simple. And me. And then St. Clair's versus Tregaron. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Instead of predicting who's going to win this, the earlier game this season finished 69 nil. Will mm. Tregaron get on the scoreboard? It's, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard because they're playing a well-drilled team, decent, uh, decent players. Uh, it's it's a St. Clair's win, like you say. I can't see Tregaron getting on the scoreboard in this one either. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm I'm going to say they're going to get three points, and you know that that that'd be a move that'd be a move forward based off the last game. <laughs> cool. Okay, so that's all the divisions done then. So who else have we got? So we got. Langham in the Youth Cup this weekend. Is that this weekend, did you say? Yeah, yeah. We've we've got quite a lot of um of youth rugby. You know, uh we'll we'll start with the you know with the community side as we are. We've got Narbeth in the Youth Cup, they're traveling to go sign in. We've got then Krimich in the youth plate, they're away to Bargoyde. And then down into the youth bowl, we got Langham up in North Wales in Duchlechai. And we got Whitland travelling to Mumbles. So, you know, all four teams away. But, you know, all four still fighting for some knockout glory. Yeah. And, and best of luck to them because it's hard enough getting a, a youth side together nowadays, let alone, you know, getting one on the pitch and holding them for a season. So, yeah, um, good luck to all of those boys for the weekend. I'm not going to make predictions on those because I don't know enough... I know enough about yeah. Narbeth, but I wouldn't know enough about anybody else. So, yeah. yeah I mean, you can if you want. I, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to back the all four away wins. Why not? It would and, be nice to see. It would be yeah. nice to see. And I, I do have to give it, we do have to give extra credit to Langham by year. They are heading to North Wales, already said they're a true two street village team. Mm. And, you know, they travel into North Wales in a youth game. That's unreal. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, best of luck to everyone playing and supporting the youth boys on the weekend. Um, you know, send us some photos because it's always good to see some photos. And uh, no, send us some photos of the game because I know what youth photos after the game are like, and I don't want to see them. I don't want to see the youth photos after the game. Somebody's getting in trouble. So just send us the photos of the game. Everyone's happy. Right. What else have we got to go through, mate? The uh, Scarlet 16s were in action last week, and they're in action again this week. We had Scarlet's West travel to Dragons Red, winning 33-14. And we had Scarlet's East head to Ospreys Eats and picking up another win, 21-7. So two away games, two away wins. Now it's looking good. And on to this week now, tonight, 1st of March, Scarlet's West are hosting Cardiff North. And on Sunday, Scarlet's East are hosting RGC. So uh, tonight's game is at Tembe, isn't it? I believe so, yes. I'm sure it's at Haywood Lane. So um, that'd be good. It'd be good to see a couple of local boys uh, getting a bit of a run out there again. Anything else that we need? Yeah, to lastly, out? lastly, lastly, you sure now, this? Sure yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, we're, in, we're into the uh, the you know county 15s, the Dewar sides, you know, and we've got you know a, a fair few fixtures to cover this week. You know, we got MMAD who were in their final match away to Bridgend and, you know, they win this game and I think they're through to the knockouts. We've got in the plate, Clenechley at home to Cunnan Valley. Exactly same situation, you know, win the game and they very much, if not through, they, they're literally only a point off and they've got one game left. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Keradigion away to Swansea in the Dewa Bowl. Uh, the, you know, Keradigion, they, they haven't... I won a game in this block, so there's not really much on the line for them. So just a run out for the boys and a good performance. And lastly, also in the bowl, we've got Pembrokeshire at home to the Vale of Glamorgan. And once again, a win there, and they should be through to the knockout. So, you know, once we get confirmation of the uh, venue and the kickoff time, we'll post it out there and we'll try and get everyone down to support the boys. But that should be tonight, shouldn't it? It says first of March, so I got when I spoke with Alid, he said it was the third, so Friday oh, right, night. Yes. Okay, yeah, so they wouldn't have posted that. That's why I've not seen anything about it. Okay, that's cool. So hopefully, it should be a, a a good weekend of junior rugby as well this weekend. Then oh, so, a lot of junior rugby going on, some important stuff as well. So it's you know going to be really exciting. Excellent. Lots to look forward to. Lots to look forward to. Okay, are we done now with all the rugby? Have I missed anything? I mean, we can add stuff in if you want, but no, no. You know, I, I think I think we've done enough to to, to clear the Pembrokeshire side of things. <laughs> cool. Okay. On that note, then we shall say farewell. We shall we shall enjoy our rugby for this weekend. There's a lot of it going on. Um, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> I, I I keep saying, you know. Hopefully we'll have a nice calm week. There'll be nothing in Welsh rugby to discuss next week. But I've given up on that, mate. I just it's we'll discuss Welsh rugby again next week, and hopefully we'll be doing it off the back of a Munster uh, uh, a win against Munster. Um, 
and some good uh, some good scores to report for next week as well. So, yeah, and we're done, mate. We're good. We're done. We're, we're done. done. Finally, you know, with <laughs> a long old haul this was. I mean, the WIU stuff dragged on a bit, but uh, oh, we got some dear. positivities out there, and uh, <laughs> I look forward to doing it again with you. Absolutely, mate. I shall see you again next week. Enjoy your rugby, and I shall catch up with you then. All the best. Thank you. Drama. Drama. Bye. You have been listening to the Westerer is Besterer podcast from the Scarlet Supporters PEMS team. You can follow us on Twitter on Scarlet PEMS. Find us on Facebook with Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire or email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. And remember, West is best, but Westerer is besterer. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.